I think most of my work is looking at present, but taking reference from the history, history they're trying to erase in the present day by whitewashing. For example, British coming and colonizing it. Can we erase it? It's there. But then changing the names of the building, you cannot really change the history. That's why for me, history becomes very important to understand both the side of the history. It's my story in a way. Hello and welcome to Biennial Bites, everyone, the official podcast of Sharjah Biennial 15. My name is Horal Kasimi. I'm the director of Sharjah Art Foundation and curator of Sharjah Biennial 15, Thinking Historically in the Present. In this podcast, I'm going to be asking artists about their practice, their process, and how their project speaks to our current moment. Over the next half an hour, we're going to be finding out what makes their work important and why it's relevant to us. Today, we have Archana Hande joining us from her studio in Mumbai. Hi, and welcome to Biennial Bites, Archana. It's great to have you with us. Hi, Hood. It's always good to see you and I'm happy to be here. Let me tell our listeners a little bit about your practice first. Archana's work unearths the colonial past and the industrial heritage of Indian cities to connect them to the many economic and social realities of today. Raised in an industrial township in post-independence India, she asks, how can one understand oneself in a post-colonial society? Archana does this by using diverse mediums, including photography, installation, video, and animation to weave together different registers of power and memory. How can images bring to life the narratives of labor and materials which make up the story of modernity? In what ways do Western ideas of development influence the representation of urban life around the globe? These are some of the questions Arjana's art invites us to engage with. But let's hear more about this from the artist herself. Archana, I know this is your first time showing at Charger Biennial. How has your experience been so far? It's overwhelming because one is uh, getting invited in such a wonderful biennial. And uh, to see such an important platform which has so many good artists and you're among them is really a joy. But also to work towards it, to make a new work. And so it was one of the best experiences. And especially after COVID, I think every emotion came out. It was a good platform for me. Archana, you call two Indian metropolises home, Mumbai and Bengaluru. Both cities have a rich legacy of workers' movements as well as image production, as in the case of cinema. Can you talk about how living in these cities affected the development of your work? So both the cities actually is a migrant working class city. One is a old metro, which is Bombay, which has been a, like uh, the biggest metro you can't really compare. Maybe London and New York is always compared. And it, it is an industrial city, which is now in many other ways have become a real estate and it changes its economy, but it is an economical capital for India. But Bangalore is a new growing, fastest growing metro city which used to be a retired city. Uh, it used to be always addressed as that because of the weather. And both the cities have a different history of British colonization. One, Bangalore became the British colonial 
army camp and headquarters like and bombay because of its sport and business the history again was different for me as i stayed more longer in bombay than in bangalore but bangalore has been a my childhood summer vacation place because of my grandparents so i have seen it grow to this state both for me the working class and the migration is very interesting because it's a flux and i grew up in an industrialist town where again there is a cosmopolitan and here again there is a cosmopolitan i actually rely on the oral stories mainly but also the displacement it's not only the displacement of the moving people but also the displaced you know, economy and social cultural state so everything is temporary even it's a housing or it is a clothing or fashion everything doesn't have a stability in its existence because it's so fast growing but then this two cities the fantastic thing is you might not get a house to stay but you will get some money so that stability is there you will definitely get it that is something i am been always interested in my work which i collect stories and it is always not the surface but the underlayer of the city which normally people don't like to address no way so yeah one of your landmark works is the experiential installation of panorama a riding exercise in 2012 where viewers could ride a bike and see themselves journeying through the painted backdrops of early bombay cinema what is it about the artwork's capacity to be interactive and for it to be a site of play that appeals to you So I always like audience to be part of my work from a distance or it is from within it and because it is always people story and that particular work where I was collecting the stories of the film industry which is the largest industry in Bombay but also has a huge labor history in India which you cannot ignore you, you when though there is a technology development and everything but that gives a lot of stability to a lot of people and people really move in for that the interesting thing in that work was i was actually cycling all over to collect that story <laughs> for example in bombay but i was also interested in the stories of how the landscape becomes the again a temporary sector and gives a different identity So for example if i am shooting in the Rajasthan desert and calling it the Sharjah desert or something like that that kind of false identity which there is a similarity of landscape which they can replace and so i looked at the 100 years of the history of background landscapes where i myself was cycling and collecting so it's also from Kashmir to Switzerland and uh, then i asked people to be part of it and experience the same thing what i experienced but it was virtual mm-hmm. and people again become upon in a fake environment and that is what the cinema gives for all my works cinema has become a very big inspiration where people start becoming involved in the characters and be part of it so that particular work for me changed the language of my own work in many ways really allow people to get into my work that experiment was quite successful for the work till now actually
Welcome back, everyone. We're speaking with artist Archana Hande about her project for the 15th Raja Biennial. So let's first describe your S15 project to our listeners. The work at Alhamriya Studios is called Weaving Light. It includes an interactive installation on the one hand and objects found in textile factories, a set of research material and a film on the other. The installation itself is a large-scale hollow cube made of punching cards that were once used in 19th century hand looms in Bangalore. A light inside the cube shines through the holes in the punching cards to make architectural and symbolic patterns on the wall, such that the viewer is covered in them when they walk through the space. The work at Sharjah Art Museum is called All is Fair and Magic White. It comprises an animated film and a series of painted block prints. The film parodies the depiction of Bombay as a global city by drawing attention to its inequalities and divisions. So initially, I invited you to show All is Fair and Magic White, and you described to me this new project you've been trying to work on. So let's talk about that first. Um, Weaving Light tells the story of the shift from analog to digital technologies in the context of Bangalore. Can you explain how you conceived of this work? So I have been in the street and also looking at uh, rejected objects, uh, which also has been made by the labor. So it's labor-oriented stuff, which I've been always interested in, like a working class. But then when that becomes digitized, then what happens to the labor class? The displacement again becomes a huge problem and nobody actually solves it because the technology, advance of the technology again becomes an achievement. And definitely it is an achievement, no doubt about it. So this story of Jakarta is not just Bangalore story. It could be in Orissa, it could be in uh, Bombay, many places. I took the example of Bangalore because I was living in Bangalore at presently and I, I could access the story. And this particular community, which is the Wanga community, who have been, I've been talking to them from past 10 years and they have been telling that the God has chosen them to be the weaver to weave their clothes. And interestingly, they, in one way, they say God has chosen them. And then second sentence is, that actually the God doesn't know how to weave. They used to uh, wear animal clothes. So at the same time, they play with this whole idea and position themselves. And when they were brought from the village to the center and a city like Bangalore, which is the fastest growing urban sector, and then suddenly you see them displaced again. So this whole temporariness they, which they also didn't realize. So they've been throwing this punching cards and I started picking them in the city market and I started inquiring about it and I started talking to them and then realizing, looking back into the history, which I always do of research. So this has been a research of maybe 10, 15 years, taking stories, collecting stories and realized that it has an importance just not the jacquard and the punching, but also thing like silk became popular, which came from trading from China, maybe preached Bangalore from the Tipu Sultan or the Mysore king. And the Mysore king owns it and says Bangalore silk, but it's actually a China silk. So how then again the identity changes and silk becomes a normal thing for middle class also. 
Yeah, like the parachutes that you explained. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the parachutes. Yes. So it becomes a common material. And then I realized that how Jepkar and silk both together uh, was used in the World War II. And then, then you see that Bangalore started manufacturing material for parachute and silk was the best lighter material. And Jacquard weavers started using and started weaving this. And interestingly, from Bangalore, because it was a British capital and for World War II, things were going from Bangalore because it was not just uh, parachutes, but they were also making torpedoes. So torpedoes and parachute together going to for the war. And wherever they fell, either it destroyed the city or wherever the, which is the torpedo and the silk, wherever it fell, the villagers, ladies used to go pick it up and make wedding gowns. It was a very exclusive material. Very interestingly, actually, on the trade from Bangalore going to Calcutta, Calcutta port to Europe, this journey also, a lot of women used to steal it from the package. But the only thing was, their wedding cloth would be either uh, army color or grayish or whitish or creamish, maybe, you know, not very bright. But it started spreading. So I realized that later this jacquard could manufacture this kind of and it became excess to people and it was easier. It was from the hand loom, then it became power loom. And then now it took 300 years because jacquard Realizing Jacquard was the inspiration to make a computer because of the punching card. And again, the history of punching, everybody knows, was used in postal system. It was used in many other systems because it has that data collecting idea. And that evolved programming of computer. But then it took 300 years for the Jacquard weaving machine to become computerized. Though it became a, it was an inspiration to it. I'm picking up from the street, which is a rejected object today, but it, and the city is known for, today is known for an IT industry. The IT industry has no clue that this was the inspiration, what they are. Both the industries lying in the same city where the birth happened and where it is dying. So that became metaphor for me to talk about the labor, the city, the whole kind of influx. It's a long search, actually. I can't stop it sometimes. Yeah. Well, I love how there are so many different mediums that make up this work, including the found objects, the research, the documents, and the installation, which is a cube shape. Can you talk us through how these different elements work together? So initially, it was where I was looking at the punching cards, because you mentioned the work of Panorama of Panorama actually was inspired by the punching card system. Then I used the analog and then digitization. This idea has been always with me. And then I started collecting just not the punching card, but all the materials which they were throwing from the hand loom to power loom. Because now when it becomes online, you really don't require many things. You, though it is a very complex machine, but then everything is getting replaced. This lighter material, the wood is getting replaced to plastic and all those things, the online, the internet and power loom, both together is making it easier. And then I could see that the second hand thing, which I was picking up, 
has a history by itself. It's a witness to the history of so many years because when they invest on this, it stays for 100 years. They don't change every year. So they have been using the same punching card, same machinery, same wood material. The silk, again, I've been telling that it has been traveling. The color dye, everything has been a story of more than 100 years. Then I was anyways talking about analog to pixelization. And one punch used to be a one thread. And today it is one pixel. And that is how the idea of cube came. And the cube also came because of temporary tent. For me, I I thought maybe I would give the audience the research first. I I didn't touch the material. As it was found, I I have kept it as a found object. Then I added some stories and paintings and all to. And then I clearly only documented them without interviewing that how they use the machine in both power loom and digitization and analog. And then when they have this experience of looking at the material and then you go inside and there is this magic because their clothes are also like that. When the silk comes in the final, it's like a magic weaving, you know, it's beautiful. You know, the, the intricacy is also very beautiful. But then when you look at their workshops, it's horrendous. The, the state is very bad. I don't know how they actually humanly work there in that way, but it is that kind of condition. But then when a woman wears that same sari, she looks beautiful, but it is coming out of that. Yeah, it's really interesting that you start with the research, so automatically you don't know what's going to be behind that curtain. And then once you're there, it's surrounded by the beauty, like you said, it makes you think back at everything that you just saw. Yeah. So it's a contrast, actually. Well, coming to your other work, All is Fair and Magic White. Again, there's a book, paintings and an animated film. How do these various formats, especially the technique of block print, comment on Bombay's desire to present itself as a major world city? The block print, again, I've been traveling to places where they were people make blocks and printing. I was looking at the history of block printing. Also, as I said, that I either cycle or I walk. I'm like a nomad myself. And I collect these moving people's stories as I move. This route from Bombay to the border of Pakistan and some place of Afghanistan and then to Nepal and to China, I saw the whole border, Indian border, actually shares the same technique. And they also had this story of weaving and then I reach Bombay and I find these weave, these block printers again here, along with the leather makers and Zardozi stitchers, all, all those who are living in the slum. It looks like a slum, but when you really go inside, the economy is kind of huge because most of the industry use it, use those as their units. So it's uh, more like garment workers uh, to all the, all the factories and so you will find all real Gucci and duplicate Gucci and all those kind of things. So I started looking at them there, where they come from and how they really came here. Then you find the displacement story immediately because either it is the land which has been taken over 
because of the dam building or something else. And it has been again from the colonial, from the British time, they've been coming. And the British said, this is the black town. They should be here. And Dharavi today, uh, which was a black town, has become the richest uh, space and everybody wants it. And they want to redevelop Dharavi and take over. But again, that is a displacement story. So when I met these artisans, I then they started telling the story of their travel. And suddenly one person started talking about economy and social circumstances of the mega city. And in the mega city, how the caste, class and race, together they face together. They said, it's not about me having money or not. I'm still in status. I'm low caste. I am black and I have, I'm a low class. That when he was poor, this, his daughter, first daughter was born, was black. And then he started earning money. And the second daughter started, he started looking that she's, she's fairer. She was born fairer. My wife started eating well, so the fair girl came. So fairness is also looking at how, what facility you get. It's a privilege. So I started really scripting this story and I said, what is the best to make it with block print itself? And then I, when I was making the storyboard, I couldn't feel that I, it should be an animation again because he was very animatedly telling this story also. So the, the books were all storyboards. Then these paintings, which I made for the film, actually these are words for the film. So my intention was only to show the film. And later, as people started responding to all the research, only the film didn't make sense. It, it's actually a very larger project, which has scrolls and all information uh, in it, which I, uh, yeah, sometimes I've used all, sometimes I have Yeah, in yeah. the museum, we have the, the paintings Painting. and the animated film. It's interesting yes. to me how you make visible the ways in which a colonial mindset is part of these present day fantasies of becoming a global hub. For example, your use of whiteness is a really meaningful metaphor. In many former colonies, whiteness is a beauty standard that parallels the desire to whitewash cities. Can you talk about how these ideas manifest in that work? I wouldn't say that I will act as a victim, <laughs> but... but. Uh, but then, because I come from a very port kind of city and my mother, if you look at her, she, it is, she's almost like milk white and I was born quite dark. The complex was there as a childhood and the question was there. I Sometimes my, the way my grandmother would talk, I would actually go to the bathroom and use some 10, 12 soap to clean my skin. And then I interacted with Bupin Kakkar who made a book called Foreign Soul. And I was like, immediately I could connect because in the childhood I was doing the same thing. And very interestingly, that book also, I, I assisted to make the editions of that book for him with, with my colleague. Then again, this question started, what is the fairness? Or Then we have this whole uh, fair and lovely product which was going around. And in my research, started looking at that is now and now another new product called Fair and Handsome. So they realized the men use more than the woman. So at the same time, I was looking at the colonial 
because where I am born in Mangalore, which is a coastal city of India, where the Portuguese to Spanish to French to so all kinds of European colonization happened. And so you will see my grandmother had blue green eyes and then there is a high tea. So all kind of mixture. But then they start looking at purity, like I am very pure. I'm the high class. I'm high class. So it's been a journey for me listening to this. So then I made two projects at the same time when this all is fair. And there was another project called arrangeyourownmarriage.com. So that basically was also research on what, who are you in the colonial, like today, how do you call it, call yourself pure when there is so much of mixed blood. But then this whiteness is, even in the, uh, the all my works, you would see there's a white town and a black town and a gray town where the British made it or the even the Portuguese or the Spanish and the French colonies, they have these three sectors. So the white definitely are them and the black are the Indians, but the gray, there is a gray zone. Maybe all of us today is in the gray zone. And that time it was Armenians or the Parsis or, you know, so many people who didn't belong to both were the gray zones. For me, this town still exists, but it is very, uh, very superficially. If you see, you don't see it, but when you scratch it, it's there. So we still have the complex. We definitely complain about the whole world, about racism. But actually, in our country, is the biggest racist thing which we find. So arranged marriage also was like, it's, it's a kind of game which I made. Like you can create your own partner. So you want which color, then you want which kind of lip, you want which kind of hair, you want which kind of body. So you can choose from the buckets and make create your own partners. That was used in a lot of law colleges, actually, my website to make people understand what is the marriage law. So all my projects have been dealing with the same idea because the mentality hasn't changed. It's the same research. So I have this bucket of research, which I start pulling from that and then make it work when the event, you know. Let's hear a clip from All is Fair and Magic White. And finally, as an artist whose work is invested in the current conversation on post-colonialism, what is the way in which you think historically in the present? I think most of my work is looking at present, but taking reference from the history. History they're trying to erase in the present day by whitewashing, as you said. But, for example, British coming and colonizing it, can we erase it? It's there. But then changing the names of the building, you cannot really change the history because it is still Victorian building. 
it is very relevant and especially my works all deal with that. That's why for me, history becomes very important to understand both the side of the history. So it's my story in a way. Yeah. And our story. Yeah. And our story. Yes. Thank you for joining us on Biennial Bites, Archana. And thank you to our listeners who tuned in. I hope you enjoyed this episode of our conversation series. To view Archana's work online, click on the link in the show notes. To see them in person, please visit Alhamriya Studios and Sharjah Art Museum. We look forward to seeing you there. For more of these chats with artists from around the world, subscribe to Sharjah Art Foundation's channel wherever you get your podcasts. For updates about the ongoing Sharjah Biennial, follow us on Instagram at Sharjah Art. Thank you, Archana. Thank you, Gurth.